Well, the cool thing I, I love about DJ and I tell everybody about DJ is so many types and avenues of DJ. Now, if you're coming up in the game, you think it's all competitive because it's only X amount of clubs. But as you get older, you talk to other people. You are now listening to the BV Mobile Apps Podcast. The show is designed to help you grow your mobile app audience and get advice from experts in your industry. Now, here's your host, Sean Garvey. Hey, what's going on, family? It's the architect himself, Sean Garvey, the host of BV Mobile Apps Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you want to learn more information about BV Mobile Apps or if you are in the market of getting your app customized, what are you waiting for? Go to their website right now, bvmobileapps.com. That's bvmobileapps with an S at the end, dot com. Get your app customized today, bvmobileapps.com. I am so glad to have this gentleman on the telephone line. He's the owner of the Bra app. I like the name already. Bra app, which stands for Baton Rouge Underground Heat. He's also the president of Go DJs, and he has a lot of great accolades. If you are an aspiring DJ or you are already a DJ and or an artist, we're going to give you a few tips here and there on how to succeed in a smaller market. On the telephone lines with us right here on the BV Mobile Apps podcast, we have Go DJ Scrap. Go DJ Scrap, how's it going? Man, no complaints at all. What's going on? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I could have you on the phone lines today because we have so much valuable information to give to our DJs and all of our artists that are listening to us. So we really appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak to us. Talk about your backstory. You have a very interesting backstory. Let's first find out how did you come up with the name Go DJ Scrap. When people hear Go DJ Scrap, it's party time. The place is about to get lit. Uh, how did you get the name Go DJ Scrap? Uh, very interesting, man. Well, actually not that interesting, man. Uh, basically a high school nickname. Uh, my name is somewhat elegant. Male partners wasn't going to have that. <laughs> so when they kind of came up with the name Scrap, it was through some DJ interest, but I hadn't even been started DJing yet. So it was just interesting that that name kind of came from a DJ element and then maybe like five years later when I started taking DJ serious, mm-hmm. it was just my nickname at that point and I just had to run with it. And the rest was history. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, again, I started off as DJ Scrap, but I guess we'll get into that a little later. There's a coalition that started in Houston, Texas called the Go DJs. And they basically have a big movement and they have a big membership. And at the time, I was looking for, you know, more leverage with my name. So I ended up linking up with the Go DJ. I became president of the Bad Ridge chapter. Go DJ in front of my name came from as well. I, I'm so interested in learning this, uh, knowing, I should say, knowing the new sound come coming out of Louisiana. Uh, in the 90s, you had No Limit, No Limit Records, Master P, his movement, and then later on came Cash Money. And it just helped brought a unique sound from New Orleans. It helped put New Orleans on the map. And then fast forward now to the times that we're living in, 
um, you start to see more and more artists come out of Louisiana. How is the sound, or what is the sound like in modern day Louisiana now compared to back in the day or back in the 90s, the mid, late 90s? Definitely, man. I always had our own sound, and just like every other state, definitely comes with their culture. I mean, even if you've never been, if you've just seen commercials about New Orleans or Louisiana, you just realize it's just a melting pot of culture. And New Orleans really got it going on because, I mean, it's just a huge port by the water. So when you think about all the different cultures that kind of go into the sound, the new drums we pick up, not to mention we've always kind of had that Louisiana. I just think that such, it's like our food, man. Just like everything is so interesting uh, about our particular state, it just kind of translates into the music. Mm. And then even when you talk about the 90s, the Cash Money and Master P, man, you got to think about it. By pioneers, we're talking about Beats by the Pound on No Limit, and then, of course, Manny Fresh with uh, Cash Money. So it's not like, I mean, of course, the sound was going to evolve, but we really had some geniuses put in place that kind of just took us to that next level. So, of course, the city, the state, everything kind of flows into the music, but I definitely would give credit to those key players mm-hmm. that came in front of us that kind of really put us on the map. You used the key word just now, credit. Do you think Louisiana gets a lot of credit when it comes to Louisiana being a part of hip-hop? Because uh, when, you, when you hear hip-hop and when you look at documentaries and docu-series on the history of hip-hop. They're always going to talk about the East Coast. They're always going to talk about the West Coast and a little bit of down South. But do you think Louisiana got the credit that it deserved despite the fact that the No Limit movement and the Cash Money movement and everything in between came out of Louisiana? When it comes to sound, the music in general is almost a losing battle when it comes to credit because so many things kind of get passed around, collaborated. So as far as, you know, people putting us on that map, as far as music and hip-hop, I guess you can say we kind of are tucked in that story. But on the flip side, kind of like you mentioned, a lot of people are quick to bring up Master P and uh, No Limit and Cash Money. So I feel like when it comes to hip-hop history, we're brought up for our entrepreneurs. You know, everybody talks about how P changed the game, how cash money changed the game. So although I feel like maybe we aren't giving out credit musically and the sound, we contribute, the fact that people do kind of give us credit for starting our own label and kind of creating the entrepreneur, not saying we started it, but really kind of modernized the doing the deals your way. Mm. I do feel like we're in history books, but, you know, just maybe for another reason, and I feel like you got to kind of take that to bed. Mm. You know what? It, is, it, it makes a whole lot of sense, and you are definitely right, because uh, I've seen so much entrepreneurship uh, following Master P for many years, and, of course, of course, Birdman, Baby, his entrepreneurial skills. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Hustlers, really, man. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, the premise of this podcast is we want to help DJs 
an artist succeed in a smaller market. And I know it can be tough. It can have its challenges at times when you are trying to make it in a smaller market versus a larger market. Um, now, for you, um, starting out in a smaller market, for you, like, talk about those challenges. What are those challenges that you had to face and you had to overcome to make it through those challenges working in a smaller market? Well, the cool thing I, I love about DJ and I tell everybody about DJs is so many types and avenues of DJ. Like when you're coming up in the game, you think it's all competitive because it's only X amount of clubs. But as you get older and you talk to other people, some people really just want to be on the radio. Some people want to be, you know, in the club. Some people really just want to do birthday parties. So everybody kind of has their own lane. It's like when you have in a smaller market, everybody kind of has to come up through that same channel, which sometimes make it seem a lot more complicated. Before I really came into the game as a tape DJ, and that's all I wanted to be. And you got to understand, I've been DJing for over 10 years now, so when I was DJing making mixtapes, we were really putting them on mixtapes. Not so much cassettes, but really CDs. The whole mix unit, best mixtapes, like really dropping mixtapes. I was in that game, and the game was really good to me. Like, I really didn't think I was going to have to step into a club. So when I came on the scene, I wasn't really stepping on anybody's toes or felt like it because... You know, everybody was focused on the clubs, and really, I just wanted to put out these tapes. And since we're talking about DJs, mixtapes for me were my own radio show. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was 80 minutes to mix, put skits, do drops, do commercials. Like, my mixtapes were really 80-minute mixes just sliced into different tracks. Now, of course, we have rock, gospel, all that, but I'm talking about as far as the hip-hop, R&B, urban. We have one. But you got a city full of, you know, 200 DJs in one radio station. Mm. So although every DJ has radio, you know, dreams, uh, when you got one station, you clearly going to wait your turn. You got to wait till people get cycled out or you're just going to give up. So that was something I do. And mixtapes kind of were my way to get that, that kick out. But once the mixtape game kind of crumbled, just through the graces of God, man, I got Ali Hoop into a strip club. Mm. And he probably would kill me for not mentioning the man. Dude who manages Mr. Kane, Scotty Kane, big artist down here, a guy named Jake Dirty, he knew from the mixtape game that I was big on supporting local artists. Mm. So when the opportunity came for them to... DJ in the club, they just were thinking ahead and knew if they put me in that position, their local artists would be played. And they were right, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of always been my MO with the mixtapes, uh, break artists through mixtapes. So that's kind of how I got club game, man. But just not to bleed into that story too long, the strip club I was at was open for 10 years. And being that it was a strip club, it kind of, promoted itself, we had the best girls, so the club kind of was a self-functioning monster. But outside looking in, I'm watching these other clubs in Baton Rouge, and because it's a small market, man, these clubs have a lifeline of six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. 
So like all the DJs are just kind of shuffling. Maybe good for a while, but that club will become hot. Become so hot, it literally burns out fast. Whether you say it's the wrong crowd, too much of the wrong attention, whatever, whatever. But the same buildings get bought out. They're turned into new clubs. They're recycled. They go hard. Then they go down. And then it's just a cycle. So being in the strip club, I was really able to kind of watch, analyze the market, man, and realize the only opportunities you're really going to get, you may just be blessed to get with the right team of promoters. You may be blessed to get with the just the right team. But for guys like me, it's always been you kind of got to create your own luck. You got to create your own situation. I really wish the, uh, a promoter at that time would have called me and been like, hey, man, we're just going to put you in all the flyers. And the guys, I thought it was happening too. Maybe it wasn't happening with them. Maybe they were investors, maybe they were bigger parts. At that time, I just didn't realize it. So, mm-hmm. being that no promoters were calling me, man, being that no radio station was trying to pick me up because I thought I had the talent, the hustle, I just kind of always been that guy, man, to create my own event. I created my own situation club. I create my own party. I've just always been in a situation where I was lucky enough to maybe, not lucky, but blessed enough to have a venue. Mm-hmm. But as far as the idea, the push, the theme, the hustle, the promotion, that always felt on me. So I've always been kind of this entrepreneur with DJ, if that makes sense. So let's dig a little bit more deeper, man, because I remember early on, early on in years, it was the radio stations. The radio stations were the avenues to get heard and for the DJs and for the personalities to play your music. And then later on came the strip clubs, like you mentioned. You you first hear that new record, you first hear that song in the strip club, and now radio picks it up and they start playing the songs that got played in the strip club. Is that the best route for a, a mixtape DJ or for an artist to go through to get their material heard? Should they go to a strip club of that particular capacity? Yeah, man, I don't know where I've seen it, but it's almost the best way to kind of get your music heard is through the strip club. And I'll tell anybody listening, man, just common sense, man. If I'm a DJ and a promoter has paid me to do a job, I have to do that job. Most likely that job is to keep the crowd on the dance floor. I don't know all markets, man. It's really weird down here. But in Louisiana, if you put on a new record at a club or a party, the dance floor quits. It's almost like people are scared to look, I won't say stupid, but they're scared to look like they don't know the song. Like they can't sing that song, they'd rather just get off the dance floor. Mm. So DJs have noticed that playing new music will kill their dance floor, which is why a lot of DJs don't do it. And I used to be a big advocate for local Yes, I still am, but at the same time, it's like business is business, and you kind of got to understand that at 12 o'clock, you know, that DJ has to do that job for that promoter, keep that party going. That's really not the best route to get your music heard. Mm-hmm. When it came to the strip club, man, once you got people dancing in the strip club, you kind of were doing something wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. If you don't want people dancing off in the corner, you want people tipping. 
So it's like when you're in the strip club, the DJ isn't really playing for the crowd. They're not playing to keep people dancing. They're not trying to keep their dance floor packed. You know, they're trying to get people to tip. So even though I mixed, mixing wasn't a huge, you know, requirement. They wanted you to more control that flow, control the microphone. So when you're in a situation like that, it's easier to drop new music. It's easier to have pauses. It's easier to drop new music when the girls are in between sets. It's really no pressure on the DJ to drop your record. I used to tell people all the time in the strip club, I could play your song five times back to back. Like, we really could break it. But obviously, when you come to a DJ in a club or a radio and they have an audience they have to play for, that's not going to be your best route, and that's when the DJs tend to get more agitated or mm. start to talk about money. Right. Point blank, period. But I do always recommend... And what said... I wasn't getting a call from the promoter. I wasn't getting called from the radio. Therefore, that made me the underdog DJ. So to me, it makes more sense for underground slash underdog DJ to be with an underdog artist because we're both hungry. If you're hungry and you're starving and you're going at the top DJ at the middle of a party at midnight, it may feel like he's not really rocking with you and really his level to it. Maybe you should have started off smaller, got it hot, and that music would have got to the bigger DJ. So mm. always go through the track, man. Valuable information right there. I mean, he said it. Go to the strip club. You know, you're going to see some twerking, some dancing going on, but it's definitely a venue, an avenue to get your music heard and to also build relationships in the club. Not those kind of relationships, like the relationship between you and the stripper, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, business. Business you people. To dancing, of course, you got the girls dancing, but the minute the customers get to dancing and stop tipping, trust me, your manager's going to tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. For those who are just tuning in to the BV Mobile Apps podcast with the architect Sean Garvey, I am talking to Mr. Go DJ Scrap, the owner of the Bra app, and he's also the president of Go DJs. And we're talking about Tips on how you as a DJ or as an artist can succeed in a smaller market. Now, of course, there is the Internet. We talked about radio. We talked about the strip clubs. But now let's focus on the Internet. Um, the Internet is, 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 an, is an old thing. It's been around for years. But now with advanced technology... Anybody can upload a track. Anybody can upload a mixtape. They may not have to go to radio, or they may not want to go to the strip club, but they want to go straight to the streaming. Um, how does that work for you as a DJ? And what tips can you give to a DJ or an artist who wants to distribute their material online? Man, I'm, 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 I'm pretty big on this, and it bleeds into the app, which is one of the main reasons I definitely created the Bra app. The internet, man, is, is good if used right. So the internet is a powerful place, man, can do a lot if used correctly. I'm going to go, uh, it may seem off topic, but it's definitely on topic, man. I tell artists this all the time. I still like Little Wayne, you know, Wayne really messed the game up for artists. 
And I say that because Lil Wayne has this clip when he's in his, I thought about he's in Carter 3 mode, so he's doing features every hour on the hour. He has this interview that goes viral. And in the video he says, I spend all my time in the studio. All my time in the studio, I'm always in the studio, 24-7, always in the studio. And when that clip went viral, man, whether they admit it or not, every artist adopted that mentality. And everybody's in the studio, everybody's working, which sounds good. I always like to go back and point to people that at that time, and still at this time, Lil Wayne was signed to parent company Universal Records. So while Lil Wayne is in the studio 24-7, he has a marketing department. He has a business department. He has a street team. The label is handling all this important stuff for him while he can just stay in the studio and record. So I like to tell artists, if you're not signed to a label like Universal, if you're in the studio 24-7 recording, I just got to know, my dog, who's doing the promotion? Who's doing your marketing? Who's doing the pushing? And the answer is nobody. So the internet is a great place, but at the same time, due to the wrong mindset, it got these guys out here really, really, I mean really, just throwing music out there. Some of the what you said, man, I was telling the guy this earlier, at one time we couldn't even get on iTunes. Like, that was a big deal. iTunes was only for the record label. And it's like, nowadays, I can go in the booth at 3 o'clock and have this stuff on iTunes the next day. So it's like there's no more value in it at the way these guys are releasing music. So the Internet is an incredible place, man, but the more I look at these guys being that they're just dropping songs, there isn't any promo plan, there isn't any marketing plan, I have no choice but to believe that everybody's trying to go viral. You know what I'm saying? Like, you drop a song with no plan. It doesn't do what you thought it would do. And then three weeks later, you have a whole nother single. To me, that tells me that you kind of just threw the first one out there hoping that the world would pick it up. And it didn't happen. So as a DJ, unfortunately, I have guys bringing me singles every other two weeks or every other month, and I'm talking about the same artists. And similar to how I quoted that strip club statistics, again, it is a statistic fact that it takes a song three to six months to bubble. So again, my question to these artists is, if it takes three to six months to bubble, how are you having a new single every other week or even every other month going to help build your name? How is that going to help build your brand? How is that going to help build your foundation? And the answer is, it's not, which is why... It's like I'm sure your city, my city, Baton Rouge, has a bunch of local rappers who are really just spinning their wheels because this game has become or has been made to look so easy. Record, upload the song, release it. Oh, then go platinum, upload a new song, go. And it's like, what the hell? Like, who, who's doing that? But. That's kind of the pros and cons of the internet. Of course, I could reach a million people at one time, but at the same time, what am I doing to draw traffic? What am I doing to market this to a million people? If you're just putting this YouTube, SoundCloud, with no type of plan to get followers or traffic to you, what's the point of just uploading these songs? Mm -hmm. 
So I'm pretty sure I went off topic, but that's kind of the danger of the internet and music nowadays. It's becoming looking like if your song didn't go viral that first week, upload another one. Oh, that one didn't work, shoot another video. That didn't work, shoot another video. And by the time you spent all that money, it's like, dude, you could have spent all that on one song and actually been somewhere. Well, let me let me bring some pushback to your argument and add some caveat to the conversation. A lot of critics will say a person like Soldier Boy, who did Crank That, uh, a lot of critics would say that he changed the game for a lot of rappers, especially when it comes to promoting their music on the internet. As of course, we've seen the success of Soldier Boy who went on to sell millions of records just by putting himself and putting that song out there on the internet. I never heard of a mixtape um, project from Soldier Boy or anything of that nature before Crank That. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, does that kind of does that kind of madness to one's method, does that work for everybody or it, or do you think people are just following that formula of, like you wish you just said, of going on the internet, putting myself out there, hoping to get thousands and thousands and thousands of views on YouTube and hits on these streaming services, and next thing you know, boom, I'm I'm famous now. Like, you know, does that kind of avenue work for some people? That's, that to me is completely luck. And that's not taking anything from Soldier Boy. It's just the right time. And that's kind of something else people got to understand that's big about marketing, branding, and especially music. Timing is key. Man, we're always going to have somebody go viral. But let's look at the rate they're going viral. You know what I'm saying? Soldier Boy definitely changed the game. But at the same time, MySpace had just came out. But he was the king of MySpace. You know, like that avenue helped push that. The same with Fallout Boy. I'm not sure if you know, but Fallout Boy was the first band on MySpace to get a million followers. Mm-hmm. So what I tell artists too is, certain people hit at the right time, and once that, once they open the door, like most things, man, that door closed. So just like Soldier Boy hit big on MySpace, everybody ran to MySpace tried to duplicate that success, and it never happened again. The same with YouTube. I tell people all the time, think about it when YouTube first came out. It only took a million views for a record label to call you. But that's dead now. Now it takes 500 million views for somebody to pay attention to. So it's not saying it doesn't work, but it's saying the first guy who did it is it's not going to be that easy for the next guy, especially if we're years down the line. So back to the Soldier Boy thing, I guess you could say he was one of the first guys to go viral, but you're right. And from him, just the same with Lil Nas X. I'm going to be honest with you, NBA Youngboy. This guy is in my city. It got to a point where the DJs were just looking at each other like, yo, what song is him? We were in Baton Rouge and we had no idea what guy, like, how was he so popular? Why was he so good? Like, he wasn't servicing any music. He wasn't doing it the traditional way. But at the same time, this guy's the king of YouTube and just went number one. Mm-hmm. So no offense. That, that's him. That worked for him. He was a special kid. Soldier Boy, clearly to this day, is still a special kid. May still be going viral for the wrong reasons, but clearly going viral is his thing. So some of these guys that definitely have popped a lot, 
without going the traditional route, I like to think about like how many people have came right behind them and it's really thin. Uh, go DJ Scrap. I want to switch gears for a moment and talk about the artists and the talent that you focus in out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I like how you help continue on the legacy that Louisiana has put out there for artists to stay relevant in, in Louisiana. I mean, of course, there's always going to be artists after Cash Money and after Master P, after No Limit. Uh, it's just that continuation to let hip-hop lovers know that Louisiana is not going to stop. It won't. It, the the line doesn't stop here, just because No Limit has went on to do big and great things, and the same thing for Cash Money. But you only tend to focus on the artists out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and some people will say or ask you, like, why do you only focus on the talent out out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana? Can you explain that to us? Absolutely, and it's plain and simple because we're the hottest city out right now. Now, let's rewind that. Man, <laughs> I am very strategic. I'm very, everything I do is very strategic, man. That's why I try to tell these rappers, let's stop throwing stuff out there, let's put a plan together. I'm a DJ in bad words, and I'm just realizing, okay, and you're from Atlanta, right? Yes. So I like to think of us as the baby Atlanta, the next Atlanta. I feel like Atlanta's producing stars, like superstars, six times a year. Just for example, Bad and Rouge alone is putting out two. So the intake of our stars, of course, Lucy and Webby have always held it down. But then here comes the Kevin Gates, okay? Then here comes the Young Boy. So then there's Fredo Baines, there's the WAP. Like, our city is so rich, and I'm not just talking about local guys. I'm talking about guys that everybody knows. In Baton Rouge, man, I can't explain it. Louisiana, of course, is great. Everybody loves cash money. Everybody loves No Limits. Everybody loves bounce music, Mardi Gras, yada, yada, yada. That Rouge music transcends a lot of that. The way Boosie's music is global, the way they love Youngboy, the way they love Gates, that Rouge is just it right now. So you got to understand, if I was from Louisiana, mm -hmm. I still would have went at Baton Rouge first for a mobile app just because they were hot. But because I'm actually in Baton Rouge, it really made more sense because I'm ground zero. Now, I'll be honest with you, it wouldn't really be fair because I'm not out there in Shreveport, I'm not there in Lafayette, I'm not there in New Orleans, so I'd be spreading myself thin and I wouldn't really be giving all those artists justice or exposure. But that grudge, being that I was a strip club DJ, man, I got everybody's phone number. So from a strategic standpoint, getting off the bra app would have been 10 times easier because I wouldn't have been chasing down interviews, I wouldn't have been chasing down exclusives. Now we're talking about guys I can give a phone call to right now. Mm -hmm. So part of it was strategic. I mean, look around. Young Boy has had the number one album after announcing it in four days. Young Boy has been the king of YouTube for the last few years. Like, whether people know it or not, man, Baton Rouge is the hottest city musically out right now. And so for any artist, 
out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They want to get their music showcased, but they want to do it through the best. They want to do it through the professionals, and that's Go DJ Scrap. How do they go about submitting you their music? Uh, well, back in the day, I'd recommend guys, first of all, man, emails are so, emails are just questions, man. If not done the right way, they just come across as spam or trash. If you never met a DJ, just emailing him a record is not going to work for you. Like, that, we don't even recognize that name. We won't even open it. It's really silly. It's just like emailing somebody a resume who isn't looking for it. Like, cool gesture, but I'm not going to open it. Mm-hmm. So I always tell artists you'd want to pull up on a DJ, and every DJ tell you clearly come early before, you know, it, it's whatever pack or the crowd gets here. Um, now that we've taken things digitally with the Bruh app, very cool feature once you get the app on the actual very last tab on the more tab once you click submit music to bruh you actually submit your music directly through the app and i did it like that because number one it guaranteed people download the app <laughs> and again you got another type of game you in i literally had artists trying to get music on the app without having the app and it's like nah it don't work like that so the method I have now, you have to submit your music through the app. And for us here at the team, that actually ensures that you downloaded it before just trying to cram some music on it. Mm-hmm. But also, people got to remember, I'm DJ Scrap. I'm very helpful and educational. And what I mean by that is I used to do events at the strip club called Service Pack Sundays because I was so tired of the, uh, artists bringing me bad not bad music, but bad presentation. Whether they were just emailing me a file that didn't have the correct name, mm. they were trying to push a single that didn't have artwork, or hell, they didn't even have a clean version. I literally used to hold events that taught artists the importance of service packs, the importance of having that artwork, the importance of having that clean and dirty version. And if you really want the DJ to get creative, include that acapella and instrumental. The right way to get music to me clearly is through the app, but I do expect you to come correct just like you would at any other platform that's going to be with a service pack, high-quality MP3s, and good artwork if you're really trying to push that single. Now, when it comes to music submission, do you accept only clean versions of their songs, or do you accept both the clean version and the dirty version? Absolutely. If you're not having a clean version with your record, a lot of these guys, man, that's what I noticed. A lot of these guys are just wasting time in the studio. What I mean by that is they go, they record their song, and they just ask the engineer for that bounce version because they just want to hear that shit so bad. They're just that impatient. When really a professional who's paid studio time before he leaves that studio is going to ask for that dirty version. He's going to ask for that clean version. And again, if he's smart, he's going to ask for that vocals to be tracked out. So now, I don't just want the clean version, but if you're serious about pushing that record, you're going to have to have that clean version because when we do weddings, when we do dances, mm-hmm. and just for these youngsters, man, you're always going to want to have that clean version available. Go DJ Scrap is on the telephone lines uh, with yours truly, the architect Sean Garvey, BB Mobile Apps Podcast. Um, the app is available, the Bra app, and, and once again, Bra stands for Baton Rouge Underground 
heat. And the name speaks for itself because there's a lot of heat coming from the underground scene in Baton Rouge. And I like how you also uh, are not catered to just from those artists in Baton Rouge, but also the entire Louisiana. Um, so it's like one big gumbo. It's one big pot of gumbo of, of various artists out of Louisiana that many people can enjoy. Uh, as a DJ, what are you limited to? Like, what genre are you limited to uh, when it comes to selecting artists? Uh, can you work with uh, an artist outside of rap or outside of hip hop? You know, you have gospel, you have jazz, and and definitely R and B. Um, are you limited, or are you open to? expand and broaden your horizons to other artists outside of that's the- an incredible question and i hope there's other app developers and entrepreneurs listening because this is a very critical thinking step of mine when mm-hmm. i came up with Bra, and be mind you Bra is just a genius title because louisiana that's just what we said you know what i'm saying it's just it's just southern slang you say bro but the fact that i had this dope ass acronym made it even better but no history lesson. Bruh actually started off as Baton Rouge underground hip hop. Mm-hmm. I'm a uh, hip hop DJ. I've been at the strip club, so I really only watch these rappers. But again, if I'm developing an app, if I'm trying to take this thing to the next level, why would I box myself in? So one of the best things I did was change that H from Baton Rouge underground hip hop to Baton Rouge underground heat. By changing it to heat, that clarifies everything. And I'm going to be honest with you, bruh, as a brand, really transcends music. Like, if you're a barber doing mm-hmm. your thing in the city, mm-hmm. you're bruh. If you're the engineer recording the music, you're bruh. Like, underground, he doesn't just have to be somebody on the mic. I don't give a if you're a cross guard. You're getting them kids safely in the city, you're bruh. So, the cool thing about bruh, obviously, it's going to start off very hip-hop based because I'm just a hip-hop DJ and all these guys were the first to jump one of the most exciting things I'm looking forward to is including all genres. Mm-hmm. That's the best part of this app, and that's why I also chose the name. It's very marketable, man. It's very commercial. It doesn't come across as a rap app. Now, when you open it, obviously, it's rap heavy. But outside looking in, it doesn't just come across as a rap app. It just looks like an audio app. So when mm-hmm. I say I plan on having rock bands, when I say I plan on having gospel artists, when I say we're actually working on an R&D playlist right now for local artists. The app is not limited to rap at all. Uh, that's kind of something we're about to change gears on. But one of the best things I did was change that eight to heat. That way we do cover everything. And as a DJ, I've kind of always been to all genres because you kind of have to, to survive in this market and be able to adapt. So mm. trust me, the app is going to look completely different in a few months. We have a lot of new faces on there. Um, the rappers, man, they just attacked it quicker. You know what I'm saying? They just attacked it quicker. But we definitely are starting out some R&D stars and some uh, some rock bands, all different cultures. Cause mm. The whole plan was to get the whole city involved. And that's kind of my key to why I feel like my app may be doing better than some people's app. The plan is to include everybody. And once you include everybody, you somewhat get the help of everybody. Whether mm. it's a repost, whether it's a retweet, 
especially when you're kind of coming off as a platform, you're really enlisting everybody's support. But had I changed his name to anything else or came a different way, this this wouldn't be nearly as successful. Besides the accolades and the artists you helped put on, if you had to go back in your DJ career and tell yourself, I would change this, and if I change this, I would probably be in a different position than what I am in now, not saying that your position is uh, a bad position. Obviously, you're doing great for yourself. Um, but just like any profession, professional in the industry, we've all had our share of mistakes. And so if you had to go back in your career as a DJ, what is one thing that you would change about that particular circumstance? And uh, if so, what was that teachable moment for you? What did you learn from it? You know, man, I got to be, be that guy, unfortunately, and say... I wouldn't change anything. And here's why is that. The one first thing I thought about was, and this very relates to the app, being that I was such a mixtape DJ, I was really putting mixtapes on CDs, like I said before. So what I was doing at the club, I was putting like a stack of 100 CDs on the counter mm-hmm. and just let the customers take them. So I'm talking about 100 stack is flying by the night. I'm going through 500 CDs and I'm really selling some of them and I'm giving some away, they're like my business card. They're mixes, they're all a hot songs, but I am stopping out my email address, and the CD does have my contact info. One thing I noticed is I've been at that club for a while, so the CDs stopped flying. The CDs just stopped flying off the shelf. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? I know the CD quality isn't bad. I know my mixing isn't declining. Why aren't the CDs flying? And you know, like I know, it's technology. That shit changed, man. They don't even put CDs in cars anymore. So as technology started changing, I realized I was kind of left in the dirt. And where I was like a big figure on the Mix Unit website, where I was kind of a big thing on the first mixtapes website, now these new legends have came about. You got the live mixtapes and you got the mind mixtapes. Mm. Well, but I'll get, I'm saying all that to say is one of my first regrets was, damn, I should have jumped onto the digital wave soon. But all that would have did was gave me a little more leverage on my mixtape, and all it would have did was maybe gave me a little more leverage on, live, uh, on my mixtape. And the more I think about that is, had they gave me leverage, no offense, maybe I just would have fell in line. Maybe I just would have became a goddamn my mixtape DJ. So while I do feel like that was a critical moment, I'm kind of glad I didn't jump on it because there wouldn't be bruh. I wouldn't have jumped on and created my own thing. Had I got a head start on those other apps, they probably would have offered me something and I just would have been content. And I got to be honest with you, man, the entrepreneur in me, I'm never content. So I love the way this app came about. I love the way I kind of came to this app. And honestly, had I did anything different, I don't think I'd be here, and I like it here. This goes to show you how important it is to be an entrepreneur and and not only just have your hand in one thing, but your hand in as many different things as possible. Um, and, And learning both the business side and the artistry side of the music industry from the perspective of 
a DJ, and or an artist. So I think that is very, very vital in today's music industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so go DJ Scrap. Um, I know you got some great things that you're getting ready to do um, in the next year or so. Uh, what's next for Go DJ Scrap? What's next for you? Man, really, to build this platform. <laughs> um, man, I, shout out BV Mobile App, man. You guys are definitely doing a great job, man. Great services, definitely kind of creating young entrepreneurs for people who have a dream and a vision. Uh, I have noticed a lot of guys took more of the personal route and maybe did like a DJ app for themselves. And man, if that works for you, that works for you. But I got to be honest with myself. I didn't have that buzz or that following to uh, do that. Had I do that, this, this app was flopped. So I think one of the best things I did, man, was make it for the city. Because another reason we came to Bry is, again, Baton Rouge is so high with artists. So I'm watching State Cheese post our content. I'm watching World Star post our content. They're not stealing it because it's exposure, but it's like, wow, all these out-of-town forces making a big deal about us and we're not. So, man, when I say I get it up, man, it's really bigger than an app. You know what I'm saying? The app is just, you clearly got to get on these people's phones. You got to get, you know, digital. That's where they listen to music. But, man, Buzz really, in my head, going to be something completely bigger from a platform, from a video content to just original content and just a lot of education and things, man. Just like I was doing the service pack Sundays. We're going to do seminars. We're going to do things that, you know, pushing music, pushing one single at a time. Mm -hmm. So in the next year, man, I really just see Grub becoming a staple. I see festivals, you know, coming from this. The brand has always been strong, but to put it together with a mobile app and all these other good ideas I have, man, within the next year, everybody's going to have blood on their phone, whether you like bad Rouge music or not. Any last words of advice to DJs and to artists, especially when it comes to growing your followers, growing your network? Any last tips or last words? Man, this entire game industry, whether you're a DJ, you're a rapper, you're an artist, man, it's all about finesse. And I tell people all the time, you're either going to be the finesse and you're, or you're going to be finessed. The finessers are going to be the ones that know how to make things look bigger, how to make things look more major than they are, while the people who get finessed will always be the ones that just kind of fall in line. Mm. So if you're thinking about creating your own platform, your own app, your own company, man, try not to think of self so much. Of course, we all want our own personal app, but is that going to, is my name to attract people and then just not think about what is. Again, I'm DJ Steph, when people would argue that my name was big enough, I didn't feel like it. But I knew my city was hot enough that if I got an app, everybody would download. It's almost no prejudice. There's some people that wouldn't have downloaded the DJ Scrap app just because it was a DJ Scrap app. Mm -hmm. Even the same opportunities I'm giving other DJs to mix on my app, other guys wouldn't have done that if the app would have been called DJ Scrap, because no matter what, you kind of had to dick ride me to promote. Like, oh, uh, go look at my new mix. It's on DJ Scrap app. Like, no offense, no DJ wants to say that every time he promotes his mix. So to create the bra umbrella, um, 
advice to you as an entrepreneur, man. I know everybody wants to leave first with their name and get big, but sometimes you got to play the back to mess the world a little bit and then choose the right time and then, you know, come out. But again, I think choosing Bruh over a DJ Scrap app was the most genius thing I've done. So yeah. again, man, don't leave so personal, emotional, trying to get your name hot. Your city got something going on every year. Hell, it may be smart to come up with an app for that particular event. Mm. If you got, you know, a certain genre in your city that's big, it may be smart to create an app for that genre. Don't so much think about what you want. Like these rappers, they're really recording songs and videos for themselves. Think about what's actually going to, you know, attract new people, what people are actually going to interact with. You got to think bigger. And I guess that would be my piece of advice. Yeah. The Bruh app. You got to say Bruh, not bro, but Bruh app. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's available right now, courtesy of BV Mobile Apps. Uh, it has 24-7 streaming. It has a 24-7 streaming radio station on there, and you can hear the latest and the hottest artists out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and other parts of Louisiana on the app so definitely go ahead and get that it's available everywhere uh in the uh google play store the app marketplace store wherever apps are available go dj scrap go ahead and let people know where they can follow you and how they can get in contact with you for events upcoming projects or if an artist want to submit their music to you what is your contact info Absolutely, man. Always email me at djscrap at gmail. If you're on Instagram, it's simply go DJ Scrap. And of course, I'd advise you to follow my at page. It's going to be B-R-U-H underscore A-P-P. There you can find all types of contact links as far as getting in the mix, getting your song promoted in the Louisiana area, and even collaborating with other fellow app designers. All right. That's what it is. So go DJ Scrap. I think we covered everything, man. And uh, definitely it has been an honor to speak to you on the BB Mobile Apps podcast. I wish you nothing but success. Uh, great endeavors for you ahead. And shouts to all the listeners and people from Baton Rouge and other parts of Louisiana for tuning in. You definitely gave our viewers and our listeners some great information. So thank you for your time. Go DJ Scrap. We really appreciate you. Not a problem. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the BV Mobile Apps Podcast with your host, the architect, Sean Garvey. Now, if you want to go back and listen to all the previous podcasts from BV Mobile Apps, or if you want to learn more information about BV Mobile Apps, including how to customize your own app through BV Mobile Apps, all you have to do is go to the website bvmobileapps.com. That's bvmobileapps.com. It's a new year. It's a new day. We're starting it over. Starting the day. Thank you for listening to the BV Mobile Apps Podcast with your host, Sean Garvey. For more information about BV Mobile Apps, visit the, the website. website bvmobileapps.com Don't forget to follow BV Mobile Apps on social media at BV Mobile Apps. Tune in again next time on the BV Mobile Apps Podcast.